This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 17th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The most striking thing about Sweden's response to the coronavirus is how little they've done. Cato senior fellow Johan Norberg lives in Sweden. He says it's still too early to say that Sweden's relatively hands-off approach to the outbreak is preferable. But he argues that there are good reasons to believe the approach may ultimately be preferable to lockdowns. Sweden has uh, done exactly what? Uh, in response to this this global coronavirus outbreak, well, nothing dramatic, and I guess that's that's what's dramatic about it, and that's why Sweden is the center of attention right now, because everybody else um, did some fairly aggressive things to get this thing under control: lockdowns and shutdowns, uh, closing borders, and um, having different sorts of um, stay-at-home or shelter-in-place orders. Sweden didn't do that. Unlike our neighbors, we did not stop the flights. We did not close the borders. No state of emergency, no stay-at-home orders. We have not shut down workplaces, schools, apart from high schools and universities, Um, cinemas, restaurants, bars, gyms, libraries, shopping centers, public transportation. They are all functioning not as usual, but they are open. And as long as no more than 50 people gather at once, that is fine with the Swedish authorities. Okay, so with respect to uh, personal decisions, what has changed for the average Swede? What has changed is that the there's been a, a government recommendation for social distancing uh, and to isolate those over 70, they shouldn't socialize at all. We are all recommended to work from home, if possible, and avoid long-distance travel. And I would say that most Swedes have abide by that. Uh, we have lots of uh, social distancing. The um, We haven't gone to our summer homes now during the Eastern holidays. When you look at location data, it seems like there's more than a 90% drop. Uh, so we Sweden is not as usual, but it's not the law, so we can use individual uh, knowledge and individual needs to decide on the margin if something is really important or not. Okay, so here's where it gets uh, interesting, is that uh, Sweden has not taken these dramatic steps like we've seen in the United States with shelter-in-place orders uh, and the closing of many businesses ordered by the government. Uh, The death toll, uh, this is from The Guardian, I believe, uh, quoting the Public Health Agency, announced uh, as of this recording, and we're recording this on a Wednesday, a death toll of 1,203 people. Uh, and that's a rate of 101 per million inhabitants. Now compare that to Denmark. It's their rate is just 51 and in Finland it is 11. So a a lot of people would point to this number and say, Sweden uh, is not doing very well. The, the death toll has been much higher in Sweden than it has been in these other countries. Yes, there are a couple of things that we should keep in mind when we hear data points like that. One of them being that we do measure um, deaths in different ways, in different places. Uh, For example, in Sweden, we constantly check the list of people infected against the population registers. So 
anyone who dies and had the virus is counted as one death from the coronavirus. Whereas in many of our neighboring countries, you only count them as corona deaths if the doctor, if a doctor concludes that the virus killed someone and they then report it. It has to be a specific decision from the doctor to report it to the country's public health authority. So probably, according to other countries' public health authorities, they miss many deaths that Swedes count, uh, partly because Swedish authorities are a bit obsessed with surveying um, people. Many countries don't even count deaths outside of hospitals uh, when they die at home or in nursing homes, things like that. Whereas in Sweden, 42% of the deaths in the Stockholm region are from nursing homes. That wouldn't even show up in the statistics in, in many countries. So that's important to keep in mind. But it's also the case that I think no matter how you adjust for that, Sweden has a higher uh, death rate per capita than not other European countries because we're somewhere in the middle, uh, countries like Britain, the Netherlands, Belgium, and Southern Europe is, is much higher than Sweden. But compared to other Nordic countries, Sweden is, is higher. But that's because they've had a lockdown. They've kept people in their homes. So the question is, what is going to happen after they begin to open their societies up? And that's the whole, everything depends on that. And many researchers say that this is the critical uh, part of their uh, of their decision making uh, they will probably see the same kind of deaths or uh, perhaps even a higher peak when they open society suddenly where sweden has managed to hopefully sort of had some sort of break on the um, on the contagion uh, within the society the interesting question to ask is did people die in sweden that would not have had to die otherwise because we didn't shut everything up. It's not like we hear from some people, like Donald Trump, who claim that Swedes are suffering tremendously because of these decisions. It's not the case that our healthcare system was overwhelmed. People have not died because we had a lack of care or ventilators. Still, some 20% of intensive care units are unoccupied in Sweden. So we have managed to give treatment to those who needed it and those who died are people who would have died in any situation, no matter what the healthcare situation would have looked like. Yeah, that's the sort of the key question is it's one thing to say that uh, deaths in Sweden simply uh, are not being delayed in a way that they may well be delayed in uh, Finland or elsewhere. Um, but the, the question is, are there going to be more and what are the costs associated with um, just just engaging in that delay? Yeah, and that's why I would be cautious to say anything specific right now about which kind of model works better, because we just don't know. Uh, there are models like a, one of the Harvard models that point to the, the risk of trying to suppress the disease. If you suppress, according to the model, the um, COVID-19 by 60%, that will result in a higher peak later on when you begin to open up society again because nobody's immune. And then you would have a higher peak and a higher number of total cases. Whereas just putting a break on it a little bit, trying to slow it down to a, a 40% rate or a 20% rate would result in a lower peak 
and in fewer cases in total. Uh, we don't know whether that's for that's the case or not. The models are what they are, and it depends on what we put into them. But that's what the um, Swedish authorities and the Swedish government uh, listen to quite a lot. So um, I want to clarify what you're saying, and that is uh, we don't know exactly what is the better model, but there are reasons to be more optimistic about what Sweden has done than a lot of news reports that we've seen earlier. Is that fair? Yes, exactly. Just the fact that some countries delay the disease and the deaths does not matter. It does not mean that they will have fewer deaths in the long run. Um, but we just don't know yet. We won't know for months or even a year or so before we have all the data and have begun to evaluate it in a serious fashion. Joan Norberg is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>